And welcome to the Mount. My name is Adam and I'm the lead pastor here. If we have not had a chance to meet, maybe it's your first time here, I just wanna extend a special welcome. And I do wanna take a moment and say welcome to our Fredericksburg campus. Today, we are celebrating with you as you open up your second service this morning. Um, Yes. And maybe uh, you're there today joining us and you're excited to get some food and to be able to go ice skating in the parking lot. We're jealous that you get to do that and we do not and we wish we were there with you. Well, this morning, um, we are in a series titled, One Year From Now. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but a year ago, or maybe over a year ago, my family and I went on a vacation to Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. And if you've ever taken kids to the beach, especially boys to the beach, one of the, the prominent things we did while we was there, while we were there, was boogie board. We spent time, you know, those little, those little boards you get on and you can, you can lay down on, and we would, we would spend countless hours just wading out into the water, waiting for the perfect wave to come. And we would just get out there, and we would wait, and we'd be like, not this one, not this one, not this one, and we would just wait and wait and wait for this perfect wave. I remember as we were doing this, after a while, my oldest son, Emerson, who's more of our, our conscious safety child, let's call him that, he made a comment. He, he looked up from where we were out there waiting on one of the waves, and he said, Dad, and he sort of had this, this panic in his voice, and he said, Dad, where's Mom? And I looked up, and I realized the same thing he had in that moment. We had drifted unintentionally about 100 or so yards down with the current, and where my wife was and our youngest son were about 100 yards or so the other direction. And I explained to him, I said, Emerson, it's okay. We drifted. And he, with this panic in his voice, said, but but How? How how do we do I I, I didn't feel it. I don't understand. How did we get here? I never meant to get this far away from where we were. I think it's probably safe to say this morning that for many of us, if not all of us, we have relationships in our lives where we've drifted, where the, the relationship was good at one point, Things were great, it was going the way we anticipated, the thing, the way we had planned, the thing we had wanted to happen was happening, but over time, unintentionally, one small step after one small step, we woke up one day and said, wow, how did we get here? How did we end up where we are? Drift is subtle. It occurs one small step at a time. The author of the book of Hebrews, when talking about our spiritual life, makes a a point that I think is transferable to relationships. He says this when it comes to drift. He says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. The the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, when it comes to, to things in your life, you have to pay attention. You have to be careful. You have to be intentional. Otherwise, you will begin to drift to find yourself at a place you never meant to find yourself. We've all seen this, right? We all have a friendship that, it's like we were so close with them, and then it just stopped. We all have a coworker, maybe, that we, 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 we talked to all the time, we, we would go to lunch with, we would go to their cubicle, go to their office, we would, we would text each other and do sort of things together and hang out, but then maybe they, they changed departments or they changed divisions or they moved to a new job still in the same city and simply because of the space, we haven't talked to them in a really long time. We see this with our kids. 
It's probably safe to say this morning that there are numerous relationships listening in the room who they would say, yeah, I once had a thriving, great relationship with my kids, but maybe it was just a a few missed curfews or maybe it was just a small disagreement. It was this step and this step and then this step and we woke up and now my adult kids and I barely ever speak to each other. And I think it's probably not, it doesn't even have to be said, we see this in our dating relationships and our marriages as well. How is it that we can go from loving someone to infatuation with them to pouring our heart out to them to to making our life about them to saying, you know what, I I don't really know what happened. Nothing major, we just drifted apart. How is it that we can go to bed with the person we love physically inches away from us, but emotionally on another planet? Drift. One small step at a time. We've all experienced relationships where we've woken up one day and said, how did I get here? What happened? What went wrong? There is tremendous power in small things done consistently over an extended period of time. This morning, we're in week three of our series titled One Year From Now. And maybe you're joining us for the first time today or the first time in a couple weeks. And in essence, what we've been doing is starting this year talking about the habits that we have in our daily rhythms of life. And we've said several things about these habits. We've said one is that habits are immensely, immensely powerful. There is power in small things done consistently over an extended period of time. And we said that that each and every year, and this is just for review, each and every year, many of us, if not all of us, have these these big dreams, these, these big goals, these big desires, these big plans of what we want to accomplish for that year. And it should come as no surprise that many of the the goals, the plans, the dreams, or resolutions, if you want to use that word, that we have are are the same goals and plans and dreams and resolution that almost every other person around us has. We all want better relationships. We all want to have a little more financial freedom. We all want to have better kind of situations in our life. We all want to eat a little healthier. We all want to exercise a little more. If we're a Christ follower, we all want to be a little closer to God this year. We all want to make a difference in the world around us. But yet, despite the fact that we all have the same plans, the same goals, the same dreams, the same resolutions and aspirations, why is it that each and every year some of us will succeed and some of us will fall back to doing the things we have always done, our habits. Dreams don't determine your outcome. Goals don't change your life. Your habits do. Paul, a guy who wrote over half of the New Testament, he says it this way in his letter to the church in Corinth in chapter nine. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Therefore, you are to run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict what? Say this with me. Goes into strict training. Training. We said last week that habits are how we train. We said most of the time in our lives, especially in our our spiritual lives or in our relational lives or in the the way we do things at work, we we have these goals, these dreams, or we want to create these habits. And so we begin to kind of have enough motivation or willpower. We think if I just am motivated enough, I can be a different person. 
And on the days that I'm not motivated, if I can just force myself, if I can just have enough willpower, then I can do something different and be something different. But we said that all that does is that forces us, and maybe you've experienced this before, it forces us to just live this life where we're constantly trying harder and then failing. And then next year or the next month, I'm going to try harder again just to fail. And we find ourselves full of shame and regret and guilt because no matter how hard we try, we just can't be the person we want to be. And Paul says, you need to train. You need to train. Stop, stop trying harder. But use the way your body is wired. Use your habits and train them to work for you. A habit, just for review, so we're on the same page as this, a habit is a routine or behavior that is performed regularly and in many cases automatically. It's something we do, something small that we do consistently over an extended period of time that has the power to change who we are. And this year, as you think about your life and who you want to be one year from now, you can either design that, you can intentionally train and create habits to, to take you to where you want to be, or you can default to the things you've always done because habits are powerful. And so uh, to this morning, in order, uh, before we move too deep, in order to fully understand what we're going to talk about today, we have to break down habits a little bit more and understand them. And so let's, let's talk about how habits form for a second. And depending on what habit book you read, what research you're doing, what scientists you're looking at, Almost always, it's either a three or a four step process. And so here's the process I have that I'm gonna show you is the first thing when it comes to making any habit, there's some sort of cue that happens. Now, the cue can be something incredibly simple. For instance, you are sitting at home one evening and your phone goes off and you hear that lovely sound, ding! Or maybe it vibrates, bzzz. That is a cue for you. It signals something. It triggers something in your mind. Now, when you hear that cue, when you feel or experience that cue, it leads to you having a craving. For instance, the craving is the thing you want, the thing you desire. When you hear the word craving, don't think necessarily it's like always food or intimacy or anything like that. A craving can be just anything you want in that moment. You're at home and the phone dings, ding, instantly in your brain you begin to crave. I wonder what that message is about. And you just have to know, it's a, a craving you have. Once we have this craving, it leads us to a certain routine. We do something in response to that craving to help alleviate the craving. For instance, you, your phone goes off, you hear that ding, you get the craving. I, I, I want to know what that message says. I want to know who it's from. I don't want to miss out if it's something important or if someone's inviting me to something or maybe something big is going on and I want to hear about it and they want to show me a great meme, whatever it is, I want to know. And so I have a routine where I walk over to my phone and I pick up my phone and I read the message. And once I exercise that routine, I get a reward. The reward is what happens by satisfying the craving. Does that make sense? So in every habit, there's a cycle which goes back and you begin to form this loop which happens over and over and over again in your brain unconsciously without you really even analyzing it or thinking about why because habits happen almost automatically. Let me give you another example. Let's say you come home from work and you're tired 
And all you want to do is get your kids to bed because you know once you get your kids to bed, you can relax. And so you, you've got young kids in the house and, you know, wrangling young kids is like herding cats and their little terrorists running around doing all the things they do at bedtime and you're getting them ready for bed and finally you get them down for bed, you close the door and after you say goodnight 15 times, you walk out of the room and you just let out this sigh and you say, finally, the cue is the kids are asleep. And in that moment, you have a craving. I just need a moment to relax. And so what do you do? You head to the couch, you turn on the television, you pull out your phone, and you just begin mindlessly scrolling through apps or social media or sports scores. And the reward is you feel very relaxed. And so the next day, when the cue happens and the door closes and you want to relax, your body's going to say, hey, guess what? Yesterday you did this routine and it worked. And so you'll begin to do that day after day after day because you've just reinforced in your brain through a habit, through a routine, that the way for me to satisfy my craving of relaxing is to do this. And we say, man, that's great. But every habit has the power of good or the power of bad. What happens when fulfilling the craving of relaxing and having the routine of getting on our couch and turning on the television and scrolling through our phone is at the expense of communication and intimacy with our spouse. All of a sudden, the very craving we wanted is now enforcing a negative and bad behavior in a relationship. All of a sudden, that routine is not beneficial to us. It's not good. And this, this might seem like not a big deal, right? But imagine this over time, consistently throughout a year. Imagine how much different of a person you would be because of this one small habit. Again, this, this process is continually running and active every day and every moment of your life because your brain is constantly trying to conserve energy. And what we see is in the context of our relationships, we see this play out in a lot of ways. An example that I came up with was maybe you are at home and you realize that your husband or your wife or your spouse or your roommate has failed to clean up or take out the trash and you begin to get upset and you step back and you begin to wonder, why am I getting upset about this? Well, maybe... Just maybe through the course of your marriage, through the course of your relationship, there has been that same cue that always happens and your craving is, I want them to just take out the trash. I want them to just clean up their plates. And so you nag them about it, you talk to them about it, you get upset about it and you get frustrated. And that ultimately leads to them doing it because they don't want you to be upset. And so now without even thinking about it, the moment you see trash piled up or a dirty dish, you get upset because you think that behavior will give you the reward it's always gotten before. You see... Most of the way we treat people around us in life is habitual. It's something we do because of the cue, craving, routine, and reward cycle. It's a habit. This is why they are so powerful. And we recognize this at times. And so what we do is we say, oh, man, I don't want to be that type of person. And so here's what we do, right? We, maybe you're much more disciplined than I am. You say, okay, I don't wanna be the type of person who comes home at night and to, in order to relax at the expense of my spouse, so I'm just gonna stop doing that. And you just kinda tell yourself, I'm done. I'm not gonna do it anymore. 
That doesn't work, right? Like you do it for a day or two and the next thing you know, without even thinking about it, you're back in front of the couch watching TV, scrolling on your phone. Why? Because you will never be able to willpower or motivate yourself enough to train the way your brain is hardwired because it is part of who you are. You can never just tell yourself to stop. And so what do we have to do to stop the bad habits that are in our lives? If you're taking notes, you might write this down. We have to change the routine. We have to change the routine. For, for many of us, when, when we recognize a bad habit in our life, the very first thing we try to do is to change the craving, right? Like we're saying, okay, like I realize late at night I eat a lot of ice cream. And so what I want to do is I'm going to substitute that craving for ice cream. I'm going to make myself crave like, I don't know, rice cakes, <laughs> right? Like a, we all know that's not going to work because a rice cake will not fulfill the craving you have in that moment for whatever that ice cream brings you. So instead, and we, we try to muster all this willpower to change our cravings, and if we can overcome our cravings, everything can be great. No, no, no. That's a much harder job than just simply saying, what if I kept the same craving, but I just changed the routine that still led to a reward? What if I changed the small behavior, and that made a difference? So back to our relationships for a minute. Can we all just stop for a moment and agree that we probably have some bad habits in our relationships? Whether it's with our kids, our friendships, our, our marriage, our significant other that we're dating, a, a coworker, a boss, an employee. Maybe there's, there's some relationship in our life that we probably have at least one bad habit, if not many, in multiple relationships. We probably have some routines that are pulling us away from them and not closer to them. We probably have some routines that are causing us to drift further away instead of step closer together in intimacy and isolation and bitterness. We probably all have some things in our relationships that need to change. And what's interesting is one of the, the significant, like the most significant things about relationships when it comes to routines, is in your life what's normal. When it comes to how you treat your kids, what's normal? When it comes to the person you are with your spouse, what's normal? When it comes to the friendships you have in life, what's normal? When it comes to how you relate to your, your coworkers, what's normal in your relationship? In other words, what I'm asking is, are you happy with where they are? Have you, have you drifted to a place you never thought you would be in some relationship or another? You see, most of us want and hope to have these healthy, fulfilling relationships in our lives, but until our hopes become our habits, nothing will change. And so a question I have for you today is this. In your relationships, who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? Do you wanna become someone who is bitter and anger and jealous and alone and isolated? Or do you wanna become somebody different? Do you want your relationship with your kids to be identified by checked out, not close, not connected? Or do you want something different? Who do you want to become? 
people who are thriving in their relationships, I said this last week, they do consistently what others do occasionally. And so this morning, here's what I want to do is I want to give you just a couple things. I want you to, to pick a routine in you know, one of your relationships, and we're going to replace it. We're going to substitute it with a new routine that I think could maybe bring some healing and some growth this year as we look forward one year from now. Let me give you some examples of what those might be. Maybe you find yourself in a certain relationship in your life or all of your relationships where you are the type of person who has kind of just drifted into the habit of taking people for granted. Maybe you take your spouse for granted, you, you take your kids for granted, you take your employees for granted, you take your coworkers for granted or friendship for granted. Maybe this year you need to swap out that habit, swap out that routine and to develop, become the kind of person who encourages one another. Let me, let me read this for you, Matt, Hebrews 3.13. It says, it says this, it says, he, yeah, there we go. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Right? The, the author here in Hebrews is saying, but encourage one another daily. Like as believers in Christ, and maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, I'm not following Jesus. I think the principle can still apply to you because what would it look like if you begin to live a life where each and every day you chose, instead of taking people for granted, you chose to be someone who encourages others daily. Right, we all know, like we've all, we've all seen this already, but kind of the, the common denominator in almost every successful relationship in life is one built on appreciation for the other person. Nobody, nobody ever says, you know what, like my favorite thing is to be around someone who brings me down. Like it's just something my heart craves for. I wanna be around someone who doesn't appreciate me, who undervalues me, who doesn't care about my worth and who is constantly telling me all the things that I do wrong trying to fix me. Nobody wants that. Nobody longs for that. The people who express value and worth and significance to us are the people we flock to, the people we want to be around. Unfortunately, for many of us, the longer we're in a relationship with someone, the more we drift into less about appreciation and more about criticism. You see, maybe, maybe you're nothing like most people I know. It seems like most people I know, the longer they're in a relationship, the more I hear this. Yeah, but they already know how I feel about them. They already know I appreciate them. They already know I value them. My job now is to, like, iron sharpens iron. My job now is to help them learn to change all the things about them that they're not aware of. <laughs> That's not your job. Nobody wants to be around that type of person. We don't want to be close to that type of person. When, when we personally are around that type of person, it just rubs us a wrong way. And we're like, whoa, dude, like get out of my business. What are you doing? Like I just, I want to be around someone who encourages me, who gives me worth, who gives me value, who gives me significance, who's not afraid to call me out on my sin, but is consistently someone who realizes that encouragement is one of the major ways I will grow and change as a human being, not being told how fallen I am all the time. And if we don't like being around that type of person, guess what? Some of you have drifted into being that type of person and you don't even know it. You spend most of your day telling your kids, your spouse, 
Maybe you're, you're a leader or a manager and you spend all of your time telling your employees or the people underneath you how they could change and get better and be different. What would it look like for this year? Hebrews 3.13, just the first part of that verse, what does it say? But encourage one another, say it with me, daily. What would it look like if you picked one relationship and said, for the next year, I'm going to make it a habit, a routine to encourage them in one way every day? How much different would that relationship look one year from now? There is power in small things done consistently over an extended period of time. Secondly, maybe you find yourself being the type of person who has drifted into the habit of constantly competing in one of your relationships. You know, what do you mean by that? I'll get to it in a second. But maybe you just, you find yourself like constantly just competing with another person, another, uh, a person in your life. And maybe this year the habit or the routine that you need to swap in there instead is to be someone who honors one another. Be someone who honors one another. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 10, when Paul says this. He says, be devoted to one another in love. How do you do that? You honor one another above yourselves. That word honor in the Greek, the, the language of the New Testament, the way it was originally written, it means to hold something, to appraise something of immense worth and value uh, to the point that you want to honor someone in such a way that their success matters more than your own. Let them sink in. To honor one another above yourselves means you saying, you know what, your want your desire, your dream, your goal, your ambition, your passion. I want to honor you by helping you win in that, even if it means I lose. Honor someone. What would it look like for this year in one of your relationships if you begin to not only believe, but begin to act as if that person's ideas and opinions and wants and desires were way more important than your own, what would it look like if you begin to daily surrender your wants, your dreams, your desires, your goals, so that others could win and be more successful than you could ever dream to be? Wouldn't this dramatically change your marriage? Wouldn't this dramatically change the relationship you have with your kids if in every moment you were saying, what can I do to help them succeed, to help them win, to help them be fruitful, to help them get to where they want to go? What would it look like for me to lay down my life daily so that my wife's dreams, my wife's desires, my husband's goals could be met even if it meant I had to lay down my wants and my dreams? What would it look like for those of you that are employers and bosses to go in? How countercultural would it be for you to go into your place of employment and to see a or to see a coworker and to say, you know what? I'm not gonna compete with you this year for the promotion. I'm going to lay down my wants and desires and let you win. I'm going to elevate and honor you. What if we showed up every single day and wanted more success for others in our life than ourselves? Listen, there are some of you 
and you have a very close relationship in your life, and you have fallen into the habit or the routine of any time there's a disagreement or an argument, your goal is to win. And you say, man, I I don't even know how I got here. I guess I drifted into this type of person where when me and my spouse argue, where when me and my teenage son argue, I have to be the winner. I have to be the winner. And listen, that's great if you think you have to win, but what would it look like in that relationship if instead of winning, you chose to honor them? Because some of you, you are fighting so hard to win an argument that you are going to lose the relationship and that is not worth it. Step back and honor Be the type of person who elevates others. Third, maybe maybe you find yourself being the type of person who has drifted into the habit of making one of your relationships all about you. Like you find yourself just being selfish. And this one's similar to honor, but a little different, and I'll explain why. Because you just want it to be all about you. It's all about what's convenient for you, what's, what's easy for you, what, what's timely for you. And so maybe this year, the habit or the routine that you need to substitute in there is that you will serve one another. That you will serve one another. If Galatians 5, 13 says it this way. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, what does it say to do? To serve one another humbly in love. We are to serve one another. And maybe you find yourself, if you were to step back and have an honest moment in your life, you would would recognize that there is a relationship in your life or multiple relationships where if you were dead serious that there has been pride that has kind of risen in your life. You think that person owes you something. You think you are better than that person. You think you have more worth. You have more significance. You are more important because maybe you make more money or you're working harder or you have this or this or this. And you think, therefore, you deserve to be the one that they tiptoe around and that they walk on eggshells around because you are the important person and, therefore, you are a prideful person. Can I just say, you want to ruin a relationship in your life? Live a life of pride. Maybe. Just maybe you need to take some time and begin to serve that person daily, one small step at a time. Why, why serving, Adam? Why, why that? Because the easiest way to crush your pride is to make yourself lower than someone, to begin to submit to them, to, to serve them. What would it look like for you to create a habit of serving someone. And lastly, maybe you find yourself being the type of person who has drifted into the habit of being bitter towards someone. Maybe there's a a relationship in your life that you're just bitter about, frustrated about, angry about. Maybe the habit or the routine you need to substitute this year is to forgive one another. Check this out, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says it this way. It says to get rid of all bitterness. Like not some of it. There's not a healthy amount of bitterness you get to hold on to here, folks. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, even when you're on I-95, all anger, 
all harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. But instead, listen, this is, Paul is telling you here how to break a habit. He says, listen, maybe you've drifted into these habits in your relationships. Maybe you find out you're bitter, you're rage, you're angry, you're harsh words, you're slander, whatever. You want to instead, you want to substitute that routine with something new. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, doing what? Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Scripture tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What Paul is saying is just saying, listen, if you find yourself where this defines your relationships, transform yourself by renewing of your mind and replacing it with a new habit. And one of the most important habits you could do to begin to eliminate the bitter, the anger, the rage, and all of those things that you are feeling in your life is to begin to be the type of person who daily, choice after choice, moment after moment, chooses to forgive someone. And you say, man, but I I just can't. You don't know what they've done or how often they do it or how consistently they've done it. I I get that. And we can't talk about forgiveness and repentance and restoration. We don't have time to talk all about that. But in general, the principle behind it, unless you are in some sort of physical or emotional danger, the principle behind what we see in Scripture is that we are to be the type of people who live a life of forgiveness daily. It is a choice that we make consciously in our brain. Even when we don't think that person deserves it, we choose to forgive. Why? Because Jesus and his humanity forgave us when we were far from him. Forgiving others. Forgiveness isn't sweeping it under the rug, some sort of quick fix. It's you choosing that day, every day, I'm going to stop rehearsing this in my mind. I'm going to stop holding this against them. I'm going to stop blaming them. I'm choosing to forgive them. You want to change your marriage? Stop holding a grudge. A year from now, you'd be different. You want to change the relationship you have with your kids? So your kid hurt you. They disappointed you. (laughs) They're kids. Forgive them. Your boss gave someone else the promotion and you're anger. You're angry about it. All right. Choose to forgive them. Somebody who you thought was a friend betrayed you and did something wrong and you're not sure if you can ever move past it and stay friends with them. Choose to forgive them. Daily. Pick a relationship. What is something that you are holding on to and rehearsing in your head that you need to step up and every single day create a new routine, a new habit of choosing to forgive? Pick one, any one of those, and do it consistently. And I think one year from now, our relationships would be different. Now, here's what's hard about this. You're gonna start and it's gonna be so easy. And then you're gonna hit a hiccup. 
This can get really hard. And what do I mean by that? Have you guys ever seen those old time, and maybe they're not super old, I don't know, those like old time manual uh, well pumps where like the thing goes in the ground and there's a handle and you have to pump it like this to get water to come out? My grandparents had one on their farm and we would have to go out there and pump water. And I don't know about you, but when you first start using this thing, when no one's used it in a while, it feels like there's all kinds of air in the line and you've got to really pump this thing for a couple minutes before any water comes out. But once the water starts coming out, it's super easy. You can just do it like this lightly and it keeps coming out. But if you ever stop pumping and go back to it later, you have to start with all the momentum and all the energy all over again. And so here's what I want you to hear. Remember, we talked last week about making this routine so small and so simple that every single day you will do it. Why? Because you don't want to make it so difficult and so hard that when you do begin to build up momentum and you stop, you have to start all over again. Make it easy. Choose to forgive someone daily, to honor them daily, to serve them daily, to encourage them daily. And and, and what I'm not saying is one year from now, that person will be different. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) The, The point of this habit is not to change them. They may never repent of the thing you're forgiving them for. They may never encourage you back. They may never honor you and give you worth back. They may never choose to serve you. But remember, the point of habits is not changing what we do, it's changing who we are. And each and every day, what if, what if each and every day in one relationship, you became more and more like Jesus? Your life would be different one year from now. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that you are a God of relationships. You are created in community from the very beginning with the Trinity. And you have created us ever since the Garden of Eden when you said it is not good to be alone. You have created us to be people who are in community. God, this morning as we continue praying, I just wonder as we're all kind of here listening, maybe there's a relationship in your life, whether you are a Christ follower or not, there's a relationship in your life that if you were to plan or dream about, you would love for it to be different one year from now. If that's you, just raise your hand, whatever campus you are on. If you're joining us online, you can just type in the chat and say, that's me. I see hands all over the room as we are saying, God, I just have a relationship. I wanna be different. If your hand was raised, I just wanna take a moment and pray with you, for you, and over you. Father, I pray for every hand that went up, for every relationship that was represented there, that you would move in a mighty way in it and through it. God, that you would begin to repair the brokenness, strengthen what is already there, and eliminate the bad habits and the bad routines that are separating and drawing us and creating distance and friction, God. By your power, your supernatural power, we long to look back one year from now on a different relationship with this person that is in our minds right now. As we continue praying, one of the things I love about God is that he is a relational God. And maybe you're here this morning regardless of what campus you're at, and you're saying, Adam, I didn't know he was a relational God because I don't really know him. Let me just tell you this. God loves you, and he cares about you, and he does not want you to do life alone. In fact, he, he loves you so much 
that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago to be a human being, to live a perfect life, to ultimately die a brutal, painful death on a cross by crucifixion, not because he did something wrong, but because in his relational capacity, he loved you so much that he wanted to redeem you from your sin, from your mistakes, and from your failures. And this morning, the beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that if you simply believe, if you turn from your sins and believe, he will be in relationship with you for eternity. And maybe you're here this morning and that's your prayer. For the first time in my life, Jesus, I wanna be in relationship with you at all of our campuses. I'm gonna ask you to be bold and just wherever you are, slip up your hand. Jesus, I need you. I see your hand. If your hand is raised, I want you to, to pray this prayer with me. Father, I am a sinner and I need your love. I need your forgiveness. Jesus, come into my life and make me new. Be my savior, be my Lord, amen. If you raised your hand, one of our prayer team would love to come around to you and be able to give you a card to help you take those next steps. Or maybe if they couldn't find you or couldn't get to you, I'm gonna encourage you after service or even during this next song at all of our campuses, our prayer team will be down front and they would love to pray with you as you respond. They would love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. Or maybe there's just a relationship in your life that you need prayer for. They would love to spend time with you and do that. Let's stand and let's worship the relational God.